this is pretty brings me to the other question the way i look at the entire fm sort of customer relationship and i, I look at and within the internal side i look at fm manager and then i look at like say someone who's handling the portfolio and then you have the corporate sort of relationship and this i'm talking about if you are if you are a sort of a global fm player that's a typical structure that you follow the thing i've seen in middle east uh, in most part of and uh, most part of, of of the interactions we've had is jj there has always been a conflict as to who's going to foot the bill for innovation so if you if it's going to cost you 25000 yeah. for example does it come mm-hmm. from the corporate pnl <laughs> does it come from the portfolio does it come from facility is that have you have you seen that as a problem i mean i i see a lot yeah, of it, it, as a problem it is, in yeah yeah because you have buckets of money you know for certain things in an organization mm-hmm. i mean I, I, another uh, customer that we we went a few years ago and another regional customer huh. and and part of the requirement was to provide you know um energy consumption reduction and therefore energy savings huh. and you know but that was paid out of a different bucket so there was a lot of you know a lot of uh, questions across the the customer organization well how does it all work you know what you're doing is providing savings but that's actually not going to be reflected in my bucket and it was very very complex uh, unnecessarily so but i i i think you know when it comes to the cost of innovation the cost of technology mm. really it has to be embedded within you know the the total fm cost of today versus the future has to be less with the innovation with the technology so yes there could be some upfront capex payments potentially mm. you know which should offset some some uh, future opex but you know ultimately the cost should be not greater than the sum of what you're currently paying it's really more around the payback period is it one year six months two year three year you know that's mm-hmm. that's obviously important uh, more now than than before but yeah I, my, my view is that the technology should be um self funding and also beyond that so that the efficiencies can go into the broader fm space right but the unfortunate part obviously i i, I hear what you're saying jj but the unfortunate part is that a lot of technology might not repay you back and especially when you're looking at uh, the long term implementations like like as you mentioned in previous episodes there there are some of them which deliver probably 6 months 12 months but there are some that would take time but but the real yeah. is so what i get from you is that because i think everyone has been so much focused on pnl that you really don't want to budge away from it and saying $25,000 like just being an arbitrary example like who pays or let the corporate pay for it yeah because that's that's their decision like i'm happy with my my contract as i said fm is happy with their contract and say i'm not going to take 25k uh, or x amount of money from my my pnl or budget in that sense but i yeah. i see that as a as a clear problem in the middle east but somehow i have not encountered that in the uk right where they yeah. FM managers or the or the estate managers have said, okay, I can within my budget sanction X amount of dollars, and I do that. As long as it costs us to try this or or implement this for a year, if it costs this, and if I'm able to substantially prove that this benefit, I mean, I don't need anyone else to uh, sort of go in and and make that decision. So that's clearly, I mean, Middle East is by way by the way. still far ahead of south asia but but somehow i've i've seen this barrier mm. in at least which i haven't seen in the uk in that sense i saw this in australia as well during the early days where you know the fm manager was like no this money has to come from corporate innovation cannot be coming from coming out of yeah. of of rpnl so i think that's a, that's, a, that's really a barrier obviously we we'll talk about how we address that going forward 
the thing yeah and i think you know yeah let's just add one thing you mentioned that's you know the the direct cost versus the indirect cost or the you know the the, the benefits so there are a number of things that FM, you know, pay for, and that could lead to, for example, an improved workplace experience, which in, in, improves employee engagement, which therefore improves uh, employee productivity. Now, how can you put a, a value on that? You know, and the answer is, of course, you can, but is that considered in the overall cost right. of FM and, right. and the benefit that it provides beyond just providing a a facility that actually operates you know so there is some of this um indirect stuff which maybe is not being fully recognized as being one of the that's a the value benefits mm-hmm. from it mm-hmm. so so what, what you're essentially trying to say that we are probably too fo- too much focused also on stuff that can be measured but some of the stuff which is more uh indirect but but probably could not probably probably most certainly at some point in time be great from the perspective of helping you get new business creating a better brand creating better customer relationships and stuff like that but you obviously cannot yeah. get to it i mean you can't say that yeah, this and is attribute yeah well it's, it's interesting. i mean i'm sure there's some you know guru out there that you know can actually quantify but it's obviously mm. not easy mm. things like um you know attracting and retaining best talent uh, best uh, talent for our customers mm. like, can, can you put a price on that well not really easily but that's a real benefit of you know providing workplace experience through design um, you know physical design and service design so there is a direct link there that it's probably not fully recognized as much as it probably should True that, true that. Brings me to another question. You alluded very briefly on it, but I just would like to expand upon it. And says, so, so you spoke about robotics, robotics, mentioning that the cost of technology is probably still not at a point where that could be implemented uh, at scale, right? Not just in in places like Singapore. But, I mean, so forget about being implemented in places like India and and Thailand. But I'll give you an interesting fact. I mean, I was talking to one of the one of the global MNCs, which which has operations in India, and they said that you know what they did a very interesting thing, JJ, is they did not go for a full blown robotic sort of cleaning, but they worked with the startup where the startup actually provided some sort of controls, um, retrofit on the existing cleaning uh, sort of uh, equipment. I, I I really don't know how they did it, but they said that really got the cost down. And plus, they that startup gave it out under uh, sort of SaaS SaaS model, which is which means that you're you're really looking at uh, instead of making a capex investment, a your investment got down, and then further it got down by you having to pay for subscription. So I, I think clearly, you know, the one way to handle cost of technology is to look at better business models, which could be a game changer when you are typically in long term contracts, like in 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 the most of the contracts that there are there are in North America, UK, where you have the public service contracts, you know, they are typically long contracts, you're like a 10 year contract or clearly a seven year contract or probably beyond that. Now, you, if you could work out a sort of financing model, which is stretched over a period of time, I think there is way to look at leveling the cost of technology. But coming back to the question, JJ, you know, are the FM leaders really waiting for some technology to reach a particular state before they say that, okay, let's take a long term view on it? Like, I'm yeah, look, just, just yeah, to... I mean, how long can you wait? Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, we, we can wait 20 years and we know it's going to probably be you know, 20, 50 times better and more cost effective than it is now. But do we really need to wait that long? The answer is no. 
but what I liked about what you just said before was, you know, around this contract term, mm. and I didn't put that in the three C's, but I'm sure I could throw it in there somewhere. Mm. Uh, maybe it's C under contract term. Right? <laughs> you know, a lot of these contracts in, in Thailand. Yeah, it's the four C's. Yeah, yeah. Basically, a one-year contract term. Now, it's very hard to invest in 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 robotics, robotics, and other technology, be the CAFM system, IoT. If you know, you, you potentially haven't got visibility beyond the one year. And of course, we all know that if you do a, a great job and, and really you know, understand the customer, then that, that will roll on year on year, but that's still a significant risk to the, to the service provider in terms of investing in that sort of capital without you know, the confidence that it's gonna go beyond one, one year. So I think that that's a really, really good point. The, the other thing with technology is we have to know where to use it and where not to use it. So mm. with robotics, you know, there are great places where you can get real benefits, yeah. even where the, the, the cost of labor is low, like in Thailand. If, you, if you're using some of these um, robotics, robotics at, um, you know, large facilities, be it you know, manufacturing facilities, logistics or airports, shopping malls, yeah. um, you actually can get benefits. But if you're trying to throw that into a, a small school or office environment, you know, it's just not going to happen. Right, and but, probably, probably uh, yeah. health, if you include the uh, angle of health and safety, typically for large towers, and you said that makes sense, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I guess it's huge. Yeah, it's exactly, and and this is so. Then it's so that the, the benefits beyond the actual pure direct cost analysis is around. Now we know that the supply of labour in Thailand and Singapore, for example, is really, really tight um, because of the reliance on foreign labour. Mm. So therefore, you know, these robotics have a role to play. The robots are always there, right? But people necessarily don't always turn up on, you know, every day at the at the same time. The robot does. Mm. Um, it also provides uh, proof points. So a lot of our customers want to know more about. Well, can you tell me that this was done? Show me. Provide the evidence. You know, they, these robots now have great, you know, live data uh, proof points, which are just really, really easy to read, gives you the confidence that it's been done. So, yeah, I, I actually think that, um, that they, they do have a role to play now. And of course, in five years time, we have this discussion, we'll say, well, actually, you know, they can be used virtually everywhere. But, mm. you know, it's about using the technology in the right way, at the right place to make sure that the the value sum is is obviously more efficient than the traditional way. No, oh, makes sense. I mean, I'll, I'll probably put in my my bad sense of humor. I see CAFM and CMMS as one of the hot favorites of, of FM companies, and they've been looking at it as innovation for the last couple of decades. I mean, in fact, there would be a lot of FM companies who would still talk about creating or taking out, you know, apps which are nothing but CAFM, but still call it as innovation. How do you re- how would you react to it? I mean, uh, but but your yeah, other, yeah, before, before, before you respond, I think, but your other point was very valid. If if a site doesn't need that, you don't need to throw that. I mean, but but maybe circumstances have changed now, and and, and hence we are seeing a much more wider adoption than yeah. what we would have seen otherwise. Yeah. So you know, innovation is, is I think a dirty word in FM because. <laughs> Everyone uses it and it's an overused word and it's also a mis- misunderstood word. So, mm. you know, calling CAFM innovation, well, it could be innovation in certain parts of uh, Thailand or India where, you know, they have been, you know, basically operating under just people headcount for the last 20, 30 plus years. Mm. But yeah, I mean, and, and I think the other the, the danger around you know, throwing terms like CAFM and IoT around is that 
you know, just by installing those systems into the contract doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to provide the value. And we sort of touched upon this on a previous episode, but just to reinforce that, you know, I've been involved in organisations where they literally install IoT into their head office and put a, you know, an iPad at at the front reception and it shows CO2 levels and temperature and PM 2.5, all this sort of stuff. But no one does anything with that data. It's just a dumb data machine. So, you know, that, that this is the, the sort of ticking the box stuff that I spoke about earlier that does not lead to, to efficiencies and improvements for our customers. So it's not just throwing it in. Let's look at the data, make sure we have people that can analyze that data and then make some decisions that actually optimize the facility operations. If you don't do that, well then we're, we're all doomed, all doomed. <laughs> that's, that's probably a point taken from from all the episodes of the of the uh, series in that sense. Now, valid points made. I mean, I think uh, just to sum it up, James. I mean, there are obviously internal hurdles to cross. There are external. I think one that I would really pick up is is the length of the contract. I completely agree that the shorter the length of the contract is, like one year, even though it, you would get it recurring, it still is a risk because your contract is only valid for one year. It just does not allow you and and. And probably with the current times, there's always someone who could do it cheaper. So even though you have ticked all the boxes, you've done your innovation, you've added value, you could still have someone coming through and, and, and still saying that I could do it I mean, for cheaper and you might lose it. So I agree that the, that's probably one of the barriers. That's not internal, but that's external. Picking, just picking on, up on that, one last point. I took out a podcast which received sort of an amazing response earlier where I said that FM companies can actually use technology uh, or saying the, the use of technology as an enabler for contract negotiation and saying that, okay, if you under business as usual scenario were giving me a one year contract and you would say that, you know, the cost is going to be $100, I could actually do it for X percent less, but give me three, three year or a four year contract and let's adhere to this SLA. Do you think that? I mean, that's 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 something that's available. I know this probably question is not linked to the to the to the sort of theme, but I just thought I'll ask you that question. Do you think that that power? Yeah, is- yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's the um, yeah, that's the reality of as we go through this change that we have to put forward how it can work because to some extent our customers don't know everything we certainly don't know everything so mm. we we all have to sort of put forward something that will work and it's no use saying i'm going to do all of this technology all this innovation and then we say great where do i sign on this one year contract mm. that's clearly not going to work it's, it's just not so yeah i think it's that's sort of uh, what we do need to do jointly to make sure that we can um evolve the the, the benefits of fm across southeast asia Awesome stuff, mate. Again, obviously, we will not dive too much into the framework and roadmap because that is what we are supposed to do in the next episode. But thanks to Tan JJ for, for, for taking time out because I think with the state being defined, with the, the challenges and the impetus of why FM needs to change, the barriers to the change, it's a perfect segue to get into the next episode where we talk about frameworks to to sort of address these barriers you excited uh for it it's going to be the second last episode of the series yeah i'm, I'm excited and also a little bit sad because i know that it's, uh, that the podcasts are coming to you know a natural end um so yeah mixed feelings 
Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, this is, if there's any podcast to listen to, next week's going to be the one. It's where it all comes together and uh, provides a lot more clarity around Absolutely. what we can all do to make things better. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. That's, this is one that I'm particularly looking forward to. And at the same point in time, I have a, a bit of nervousness because that, this is where you really uh, get to actionables. But nonetheless, we'll, 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 we'll have it covered for you. Thanks a lot, everyone, for listening to the State of Facilities Management in Southeast Asia series with JJ and myself. See you all until next time. Thank you.